Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Thanksgiving Day, some some many years back, a 12-year-old boy found himself in a family that was broke and had no food. This boy had two siblings that were younger than him, and although they weren't starving, there was one thing for certain. They weren't going to have a Thanksgiving. He could hear his parents verbally yelling at each other in the back room, screaming and saying things that you can't take back. He also remembers his younger brother and sister having to hear all the mess as well. But then all of a sudden, a miracle happened. There was a knock on the front door. And in the midst of all the yelling and the screaming, the 12-year-old boy decided, you know what? I guess I'll go open the door. <laughs> and so that's what he did. And as he opened the door, there was, a, there was a, a rather tall man standing there. And he had a box of food and an uncooked turkey in a basket. And he asked this boy, is your dad home? So through his parents' bedroom door, he yells in, dad, there's somebody at the door. His dad comes and storms out and he goes to the door and this 12 year old is standing behind his father as this man is offering him food and an uncooked turkey. And his father says, we don't take charity and slams the door. Well, the man was a pretty big man and he put his foot in the door and he stopped the door and he said, look, sir, we all hit rough times. There's just some people that care about you. And want you and your family to have a Thanksgiving. The man was so full of anger and rage. He goes to slam the door again. And he says, we don't take charity. He stops the door and he says, don't make your family go hungry and not have a Thanksgiving because of your anger and because of your pride. Well, at that point, the father went from hot to hotter. But at the same time, he was trapped because his boys are standing there. So he grabs the food out of the man's hand. He slams the door. He slams the food on the table. And then he runs back into the room and he continues the argument that he was having with his wife as the children are standing in the kitchen with the food that's been slammed on the table and how, and, and seeing how his father acted. And now he's in the back room. And I'll tell you what happened to that boy and his father at the end of the message. Right now we're in Romans chapter number two. And the Bible says in verse number four, or despiseth thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. People treat with contempt God's goodness. They take advantage of how good God is. People treat with contempt the forbearance of of God. They think they can just sin forever with no consequence. Don't think for a minute that you're safe from the wrath of God Because you've sinned and he hasn't poured out judgment on you. You know why he hasn't? Because God forbears. And 
There's one thing to note about forbearance. It has an ending. And God's forbearance is going to end. And God's goodness is eventually going to run out. But people take for granted and they treat with contempt the long-suffering of God. Because God won't punish me now, people falsely reason, well, God won't punish me later. That's faulty reasoning. The life that we live right now and the life that lost people have right now who reject God and hate God, the reason they have the life that they have is because God is long-suffering. That's why. Look at verse number five. But after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasureth up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. The goodness and the forbearance, the long suffering that we are receiving and that lost people more specifically are receiving is only due to these merciful character traits of our God. And this lost and dying world has to stop taking the beautiful mercy of God and using it as an invitation to sin. God isn't good and God isn't forbearing forbearing, and God isn't long suffering so he can give lost people a license to just go out and sin. He is that way because he wants to lead them to repentance. <laughs> and we don't preach a message that says God is love and merciful and, and long suffering and, and, and good. And so you can just go out and do what you want. No, we preach the message the opposite. It's not an invitation to sin. It's an invitation to repent and trust the Savior. And if God's mercy and goodness and long-suffering and forbearance doesn't crush a lost person's heart so that they would repent and trust him, it's eventually going to run out and his judgment will fall upon them and crush them. It's one or the other. Why not take the invitation to repent? The Bible says in Job, but thy hip, but the hypocrites and heart heap up wrath. They cry not when he findeth them. There's going to come a day when God will crush the impenitent heart. That's the that's the heart that will not repent. Impenitent heart. And he's going to crush that sinner. And it's all going to get poured out in a day. And Paul in this chapter will we'll see the Jew identified, but, he, but he's kind of leading up to uh, verse 17 where he'll identify the Jew. But the Jews really thought that they were specially privileged. And so, yeah, kind of all the stuff in verse one could be for the Gentile. <laughs> but we're Jews. We're specially privileged. We were your set apart people, but they're dead wrong because nobody has special immunity to the wrath of God when it comes to their sin. It has to be paid for. Job 21 in verse 30, it says that the wicked is reserved to the day of destruction. 
They shall be brought forth to the day of wrath. There's going to come a day. Well, well, how come it wasn't last night when all the um, God-denying college-age group students that don't want to be in church and don't want to read the Bible and don't want to think about the things of the Lord, and they went out this weekend and did all kinds of wicked things, how come they're okay? Because God's good, that's why. Because God's long-suffering, that's why. That's why. But there's going to come a day when the forbearance has run out. After you die without Christ, there's judgment. And there is no going back. Verse number five, the Bible says, uh, against the day of wrath. Wrath is God's fierce, righteous anger against ungodly and unholy men. It's his holy indignation against sin. Every single, even little itty bitty sin that you might say, well, that's not a big deal. God is against it. And if you do that little itty bitty sin, God is against you. What do you think you 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 put your sin over here and allow God to be against that, and then you're over here like somehow you separate yourself from your sin? No, that's not the way it works. God's against you because you're a sinner. And his wrath abides upon sinners. Now, if you're in Christ, there's no condemnation. But if you're not in Christ, his wrath abides on you. God hates the sin, but loves the sinner. It's not really a true statement. Yes, God loves you and he gave his life for you. But what do you do? Like this water, you pour it out, and put the water over here and separate it from the bottle. That's not what you do with your sin. It's part of who you are. You're God's enemy. And as God's enemy, he is 100% against you. Yet he loved you enough to send his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I say that to say you can't separate you and your sin. It's part of your nature and who you are. Well, God's just against my sin and he'll eventually forgive me because he's loving. Whoever told you that is dead wrong. We've got to balance out the goodness, the long suffering and the forbearance of God with the reality of the fact that he's a righteous judge and he will pour out his judgment. And when it's too late, there's nothing you can do about it. You can't water down God's wrath. There's no flowery way to say it. Well, what about our nation? Do you know why our nation flourishes? People say, well, it's not flourishing now. Compared to what? Compared to what? People, individual people, nations experience the goodness of God when they thumb their nose at God. Why doesn't God just wipe the United States off of the map? Because there's a million murdered babies every year in the womb. Why? Because God's good. Man isn't. He's not good. Man's wicked. Because God is a forbearing God. God is a long-suffering God. But there's going to come a day. And when he says it's now it's time, when his wrath pours out, there's no going back. 
Don't die without Jesus Christ. Repent and trust the Savior. People think. Nations think. Well, because nothing bad happened the first time I did something against God, I'll be okay. Except God doesn't issue out his wrath like that. It's going to come down to a day where it's going to go from zero to 60. <laughs> That's it. Young people, pay attention. You sin and dad doesn't find out. So you sin again. and Mom doesn't find out. and You sin again. You think God doesn't find out. and You sin again. Next thing you know, you live your whole life sinning because no consequence came down on you. But when you die and you don't have Jesus Christ as your Savior, it's too late. All of that wrath you have heaped up to yourself. You have treasured up to yourself. And now it's going to come down like a hammer. And there's nothing you can do about it at that point. Don't use God's goodness as a license to sin. Use it as an invitation to repent. Treasures up unto thyself. If you're saved, you're not treasuring up. And heaping up wrath for God's judgment to come upon you. Now, the Christian will have a judgment. We're not going to go through the three different uh, judgments, nations and uh, lost people and then uh, saved people. You're going to have a judgment, but it's not a, It's not going to be for God's wrath pouring upon you. It's going to be the treasures. It's going to be the rewards that God will give you for faithful service unto him. In other words, the works that you've done that had some eternal value. Good. All the works that you did that had no merit for Christ at all burned up. Two completely different judgments. Treasure up. Uh, uh, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Don't treasure up wrath. Repent and trust the Savior and now treasure up something. That you can be good to, to look God in the eye with. Well, I've got a, a million dollar house. I've got a million dollar financial portfolio. Well, I got a half a million dollar car. And I've got a, you know, a, a, a lifeline of business contacts that can get me anything that I want. And I've got, yeah, you do right now. Except what you're heaping up is something that will get poured out. So fierce. And you won't have an opportunity to say, I'm ready to repent now, God. Because the more you sin and the more you get away with the consequence of sin, this lost and dying world feels they can just keep on going. We just need harsher punishments. God looses Satan. After a thousand years, you couldn't have gotten more harsh of a sentence. He doesn't come out and repent. He makes one more right at the throne. Hell doesn't reform people. The goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. You would think that you have to take your children and you just, bang, bang, just wrath all the time. That doesn't lead them to repentance. Your goodness does. And mom's so good to me. Even though I'm such a brat. 
my dad is so patient. I can't believe. As I'm saying this, I'm thinking back where I can't believe my dad didn't punch my teeth out for some of the stupid things I did. You know why he didn't? He's a good man. And you know why God doesn't pour out his wrath on you now? Because he's a good God. And he loves you and he wants to invite you to repent and trust in who he is. Won't you do that if you haven't already? God doesn't want to condemn you. And this is the will of him that sent me that everyone which seeth the son and believeth on him may have everlasting life. If you're not saved, the will of God for your life is you would believe on the son. And that's something simple to communicate to a lost person. What's God's will for my life? Believe on the son. Believe on the son. It also says in verse number five, look at the end of the verse of the righteous judgment of God. He's not an unrighteous judge, but this is a leading up to in, uh, in chapter number two. By the time we get toward the end of it, the Jew will be identified. But you know what the Jew thought they were? Righteous. Everything they did, they thought they were the righteous judge. And it's interesting how God leads up to that and, and puts in here that he's the righteous judge. You fellows aren't, but I am. He's just, he's good, and he's righteous, even in his judgment. Don't keep making sin deposit after sin deposit after sin deposit, because all you're doing is heaping up a treasure of sin. and God's wrath is eventually going to pour out on you. He's going to empty out your account. Proverbs 29.1 says, He that being often reproved, Hardeneth his neck. You just get stiff-necked about it when you when somebody reproves you. And then the verse goes on to say, shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. Do you know how many people die suddenly? Before I was saved, I used to think. I mean, I knew I was going to die, but I thought, I certainly am not going to die now, and I got plenty of time. I'm healthy, I'm young, I exercise, I eat right, I lift weights, I'm good. I don't eat foods that taste good, I just eat the stuff that tastes like you're eating grass to be healthy and you ever go through those phases? You're just indestructible. Except, you know how many healthy people that think they got everything going for them suddenly die? <laughs> Don't take for granted that you've got tomorrow. You can die of anything at any time. And if you don't have Christ as your Savior, guess what you just heaped up for yourself? There's no turning back. No turning back. You're listening online or if you're sitting here this morning and you think that your worst sin is the problem, you're wrong. Your worst sin isn't your problem. If you're sitting here thinking that I have so many sins, it's like sin times sin times sin. There's so many of them 
that I can't even list them all. If you think that is your problem, you're wrong. The fact that you have more sin violations than I do isn't your problem. The fact that I have more sin violations than someone else isn't the problem. The problem is you've despised God. You've despised the good gift that he offers you. You've despised his forbearance and his long suffering. And instead, you're heaping up something for yourself. God's wrath. But after thy hardness, it says, and in penitent heart, it's just a heart that's so hard and the person doesn't want to repent. And let me just say to you by way of doctrinal truth, God doesn't force anybody's heart to be hard. God is in the business of warning men. God is in the business of providing escape. And why would God warn somebody if there's no reason to warn them if he already predetermined where they're going to go? The warning wouldn't make sense. God always provides a way of escape. And you must take God's way of escape. You just can't make up your own and say, I'm okay with God. It's not the way it works. It's on God's terms. You see the context of Romans chapter 2? How, uh, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God. And then verse 4 lays out how good God is. And then verse 5 basically lays out, look, if you don't take the invitation to repent, here's what you got coming to you. You see the escape route God provides? Uh, let's look at two things. Get First Samuel and Exodus 8. Go back to the book of First Samuel. First Samuel, we will get uh, the sixth chapter. First Samuel chapter six and Exodus chapter number eight. Get both of those spots. Uh, let's look at this. Do 1 Samuel 6 first, get Exodus 8 in your other hand. 1 Samuel chapter number 6. Uh, okay, uh, verse number 2, rather. And the Philistines called for the priest and the diviners saying, What shall we do to the ark of the Lord? Tell us wherewith we shall send it to his place. And they said, if you send away the ark of the God of Israel, send it not empty. But in any wise, return him a trespass offering. Then he shall be healed and it shall be known to you why his hand is not removed from you. Then said they, what shall be the trespass offering which shall return to him? They answered five golden emirates and five golden mice, according to the number of the lords of Philistines. For one plague was on you all and on your lords. Wherefore, ye shall make images of your emeralds and images of your mice to mar the land, and ye shall give glory unto God of Israel. Peradventure, he will lighten his hand from off you and from off your gods and from off your land. So the Philistines have the ark, 
We're not going to get into all this uh, as a deep dive, but God's judgment is coming upon them. How can we lighten it? Verse number six, wherefore then do ye harden your hearts? Who hardened their hearts? Them or God? They did. God didn't force their heart to become hard. They hardened their own hearts. And then watch what it says. As the Egyptians and Pharaoh hardened their hearts. Well, didn't God force Pharaoh's heart to be hard? I don't believe that he did. 1 Samuel chapter number 6, the ark, the Philistines, they go to their, their diviners, and which, by the way, uh, all this, it, what we have in this chapter is Roman Catholicism. It's modern-day Roman Catholicism. Pick any shrine, any Roman Catholic shrine throughout the world, and go to that shrine. You know what you'll find? Golden stuff. Just their possessions, they're going to leave. Oh, Lord, I have an affliction. I better go to the shrine and leave this. It's Roman Catholicism. They go to their diviners. They go to their priests. They say, what do I do? Well, bring this to God. And they'll leave their possessions in front of these shrines. Every now and then, depending on what community you're in, you'll, you'll go up to a door to knock on that door, and you'll see a big shrine. Of a, of, a, of a Mary statue or a saint, some type of saint statue. And there will be they'll have flowers on it. They'll have different possessions around it. Where do they get that? First Samuel 6 is where they got it. But the analogy that's being made here is that they hardened their hearts as the Egyptians and Pharaoh hardened their hearts. Which brings us to Exodus 8. Go back to Exodus 8. You should have your finger there. and We'll read verse number 15. But when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, he hardened his heart and hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. Who hardened Pharaoh's heart? According to verse 15, who hardened his heart? Pharaoh did. Pharaoh hardened his own heart. First Samuel 6, they hardened their own heart. Romans chapter number 2, people despise and they harden, and they've got a hardened, impenitent heart. Uh, look at verse number 32. Some more plagues come. And Pharaoh, the last verse, and Pharaoh hardened his heart. Did God do that or did Pharaoh do that? Pharaoh hardened his heart. At this time also, neither would he let the people go. And people say, well, that's not what happened in Exodus 7. All right, let's go back to Exodus 7. Look at verse number three. Well, uh, verse one, the Lord said to Moses, see, I have. Made thee a God to Pharaoh and Aaron thy brother shall be prophet, and they shall speak all the command. Thee and Aaron thy brother shall speak unto Pharaoh, and he shall send the children of Israel of his land. And, and then the Bible says, verse 3, And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, multiply my sins and my wonders in the land of Egypt. 
Romans, Romans chapter 2, it's the same thing. God is good. He's long-suffering. He's forbearing. If you repent and you don't harden your heart, what do you get? Forgiveness of sin and eternal life. If you do harden your heart, what do you get? Wrath. So when God does all these miracles, God sends all these plagues, God outdoes everything that Pharaoh does. And Pharaoh says, you know, I'm going to harden my heart. If he didn't harden his heart, God will give Pharaoh what Pharaoh wants. You want to repent? Okay. You don't want to repent? Okay. There you go. Plague one, harder heart. Plague two, hard. it just keeps harder and harder and harder and harder and harder. And it makes it almost impossible for God to get through. This is why you shouldn't take the goodness of God as a license to sin. Because the more you sin, the harder your heart becomes to turn to God. You know what, and you know what God knows is going to happen? If you despise my goodness, your heart's going to go hard. And you want a hard heart? I give you a hard heart. You want to harden your heart against me? Okay, there you go. He's not going to force anybody. You've got a choice to make. You can repent and trust the Savior because of God's goodness. Or you can despise it. Your heart will be hard and God will give you wrath that you'll heap up to yourself. And one day you'll pour it out. Go to Exodus 17. And Psalm 95. Exodus 17 and Psalm 95. We'll look at one more. Exodus 17. And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys according to the commandment of the Lord and pitched and Rephidim and there was no water for the people to drink no water so verse 2 wherefore the people did chide that means they're going to blame with Moses wherefore did the people chide with Moses they just want somebody to blame and said give us water that we may drink and Moses said unto them why chide you with me wherefore do you tempt the Lord, there's no water. Verse two, what are they doing? They're tempting the Lord. That's probably a bad move. <laughs> Wouldn't you say? None of us should dare, dare tempt the Lord. Verse three, and the people thirsted. There for water. Oh, mom, I'm starving. Mom, I'm so thirsty. No, you're not. Be quiet. It's been two hours. <laughs> people can live pretty long without water. And you're not on the brink of dying of starvation. It's just you aren't able to soothe yourself with food or water. Okay? And that's what they're doing. And then verse number three. And the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us? And our children and our cattle with thirst? Oh, you're killing me. I'm going to die. You're not going to die. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. 
Um, go to Psalm 95. We'll take a little break and tie this together in Psalm 95. Watch this. Psalm 95, verse number 8 and 9. Pardon not your heart as in the provocation and as in the day of temptation. Where? In the wilderness. That's Exodus 17, what we just read. Who hardened their hearts? God or them? They did. They did. They murmured. They complained. They hardened their hearts. When your fathers tempted me. Where do they do that? Exodus 17. They're tempting God. And God doesn't harden their hearts. They harden their own hearts. Your fathers tempted me. Proved me and saw my work. It don't matter how good God is to you. It don't matter if he gives you a pillar of a cloud. It doesn't matter if he gives you manna. It doesn't matter if he gives you quail. It doesn't matter if he gives you deliverance. People are going to despise the goodness of God. It doesn't matter if you, God provides food and water and safety. God, the people are going to just despise him. In America, God will send gospel witnesses to knock on someone's door. At community fairs all throughout this county and multiple counties. Churches like ours will be there giving out gospel tracts. And someone can receive that and trust Christ. It's a simple message. But you work any of the events, you'll see. You just look on the ground and you look in the trash cans and you know where they ended up. You know why they ended up there? Because somebody despised God. And he's better off in a trash can. Give me my food. Give me my hot pork sandwich, and then when I'm done, I'm going to crumble up the, the, the wrapper, and I'm going to throw it in the trash, along with that good news that that crazy Christian gave me. People despise God, yet he's been so good to him. He's been so good to us. And we've treated him with contempt. Polite, well-mannered Christians. Just wanting people to know about Jesus. They'll despise you. What you got to figure out is, are you ashamed of the gospel or not? Are you going to despise what God called you to do or not? Because this world's not going to treat you good. They're not going to treat you good. Just in case you haven't already figured that one out. Israelites are in their own heart. John 6. Get John chapter 6, please. So here stands this 12-year-old boy. He's confused. He's hurt. And he's standing there. He's basically wanting to cry. But he doesn't because he's afraid of what his dad's going to say or do to him or his mom. He's happy this man brought the family some food. But he's scared to smile because dad will fly off the handle again. But it was that, that pain that day on that Thanksgiving day was nothing compared to the pain that he experienced when dad left. He left the family. And years later, the father is dying. 
His now adult son was the only one from the family that visited him. And his father is dying of connective tissue disorder. And he tells his son, I was an angry, arrogant jerk. I never connected with anybody. I never connected with mom. I never connected with you. I never connected with anybody. And look at what I'm dying of. Connective tissue disorder. There is going to come a day where the pieces are going to connect for this lost and dying world. And everything that you've heaped up is going to come to fruition. When his dad died, he was the only one that went to his funeral out of the family. Nobody else went. During your lifetime, you've got some choices to make. What are you going to focus on? The goodness of God? A knock came on the door. There's food. Oh, praise God. Or are you just going to harden your heart with pride, slam the door on God, and go back to your sinful ways? You're going to heap something up. What are you going to do? You're going to leave your family? You're going to, Christians, are they going to, they're going to leave a good fellowship because something happened or somebody said something and we just can't put our pride aside. And we're just going to slam the door on our family. We're just going to slam the door on the, on the good relationships that we could have. Or can we be like God and show some goodness, show some forbearance, show some long suffering, maybe knock on somebody's door because every day could be a Thanksgiving. We're Christians in the area. We just want to tell you about Jesus Christ and what he has for you. Get away. I don't want to hear that. You going to put your foot in the door? No, really. God really does love you. Give me a minute. You're going to knock on somebody's door and they're going to treat you like they treated that man that knocked on that family's door. They're going to despise the goodness that you offer them. But the offer of God's goodness is because he's, he's, he forbears, he's long-suffering. He wants everyone to come to repentance. I ask you to turn to John 6, and we'll finish here. John chapter number 6, verse number 11. The Bible says, and Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain. That, not, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragment of the five barley loaves which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. The fragments are all over. They're so full that there's leftovers. They gather them up. There's so much to go around. Gather them up. Don't be wasteful. Don't let anything go to waste. God's goodness leads people to repentance. You know how many fragments of lost people are out there? There's enough. Gather them up. There's enough food to go around God's word. There's enough of it to go, go, go around. And the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment 
to be punished. Why not spend the time that we have here showing people the goodness of God, the long-suffering, the forbearance? Gather them up. Gather them up. We don't want anybody to be lost. Because if they are, they're heaping up for themselves a day where God's wrath is going to pour out of them. And we don't want that to happen. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.